It's Thursday, August 26, 2021, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 285, Dim Souls. Runtime for this episode is 1 hour and 24 minutes. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games. The podcast that isn't prepared to die just yet. My name is Jeremy. Shield UP. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. Tyler with Shield Boss. Um, yeah, or just completely removed from the game and replaced with a gun. Um, <laughs> so I, th- I, I think, think they made that game. Yeah, yeah, no, I think they made that game, and I think that's probably the game for me. Uh, Fair. Um, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, one day, maybe. Probably not. This podcast stays are limited. We played Dark Souls this week. I By this week, I mean month. Yeah. year how long has it been <laughs> and however long it's been since we last recorded last time on video games um, one month and three days yeah that seems like a good schedule the next one will probably be faster because i know what we're playing next and i could record that podcast immediately like we could turn the mics off and i could do that podcast uh, i probably could too but i also probably could i feel like i remember something about it every time i play it again uh that i forgot about it i mean that's but... fair I remember how much I dislike it every time I turn it on. So I think I'll break tradition and I'll start with what I've been playing. Oh my. What? Yeah, weird, I know. Which is a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen. I was That's going to fair. say, can I interest you in the Church of Final Fantasy fourteen, Tyler? Actually, what? yes. There's a class that has a gun in their main hand and a Gundam in their offhand. I'm sorry, a Gundam? <laughs> <laughs> they summon a little robot. Okay. And by a little robot, I mean a robot twice their size. <laughs> but isn't that... Un- that is, uh... It's in Heaven's Word, so it's in the free trial, technically. You just have to get the heavens word, which I still haven't done. Kevin's there. Uh, no, actually listening to you guys talk about it makes me think that it might actually be in an MMO that I'm vaguely interested in because I like the theming on it slightly better than WoW. I Don't would... worry, wait for me. Yeah. <laughs> Zach has been playing it too. He even played it with me. So if you want to get in here, we can. If you want to save your thoughts for later, that works too, I suppose. I mean, if you have anything else, go for uh, it. I do have quite a few other things, but I there's more I wanted to say about 14. I would be really curious for you to try it as a single-player game, Tyler. I don't think that really works, huh. but it's got that sort of story. I don't think the story is very good, but it's good enough. It's better than I expected. Interesting. Although, aren't there uh, some things that are gated by having They're a party? They're instanced, but it's not a big deal. Yeah. You just jump into a hopper and it'll just dump you into a party and you go kill everything and then disappear from each other's lives again. Yeah, and the st- one of the reasons I think the story is bad is it typically treats your party members like they were not there. Particularly, you have to go fight Ifrit somewhat early in the story and you get kidnapped by uh, the cult of Ifrit and sacrificed to it and then you have to wait for a party to fight Ifrit in the cave of sacrifice. And then when you defeat Ifrit, they're gone and you have and everyone hails you as the he- hero who defeated Ifrit. It's super awkward, especially I had to wait for that particular instance for like 15 minutes. And my understanding is they get much better at that. And even where I am in the story, they have gotten better at it. But there are still little awkward things like that. They weirdly want you to be the main character slash hero, but they're not allowed to develop your character at all because they don't want to mess with your backstory. And also there are seven other guys behind you in a lot of the instances and like, and they're there too. That hot bunny girl, that's just Kevin. Ignore her. She's not important to this case. <laughs> she is here, though. So I'm actually wondering, then, how the expansion slash DLC it, it interacts with the story. Does uh, it add on to yeah, it? Yeah, okay. my understanding is it's basically sequels. And the ending of the story ends with, uh, okay, you defeated Vegeta, but Frieza's going to fuck you up sort okay. of situation. Interesting. I'm not anywhere close to there. 
I, w- I was wondering how they were going to expand upon that if there was actually like a continuous story, but it sounds yeah. like they planned for it. I don't know that they planned for it so much as they're like, there probably will be expansions, so we need places that the story can go. I think after they did the relaunch, they probably planned for it because it was much better accepted after it was relaunched. Yeah, and I know the most recent expansion that's already come out wrapped up the storyline with the Empire, which is one of the major conflicts that's been running through. And so now that is wrapped up. I have no idea how, but I presume there are lots of other threads that are not in particular because the director said, hey, do these raids before playing the story of the next game. They're going to be important. And I know a lot of people who came out after they were relevant skipped them. Interesting. It sounds like a fairly inter- I mean, it doesn't sound like a revolutionary game, right? It's like it's an I w- MMO. I will say it has the most friendly free to play trial I've ever encountered, including many of the MMOs I played for free. Because you can literally play the entire game without spending anything. And the first expansion. Uh, that said, also, I want to be a sweet bunny boy. Uh, you so, can't do that uh, yeah, on a freebie. Yeah, exactly, which is why I might pay for it anyway if I get into it. You can't do that at all yet. Bunny boys are coming in the next expansion. You can so only November? be a bunny girl. Yep. I mean, that makes sense. I understand. I understand where their market is. <laughs> lots of teenage girls and lots of guys who like bunny boys, but bunny girls. But they already have cat girls also. You can be a cat boy. That's fair. Uh, well, say, I, normally I play female characters in, like, oh. basically every game. Yo. But, yeah. High five. Are you a female, Zach? I know you're a dragon person, and I can't tell. Yeah, well, the dragon people, it's easy to tell because the the, the male dragon dudes are, are like, ten yeah. feet tall. <laughs> and the, the girls are, are cute. Yes. <laughs> well, like, the guys look like normal people. They've got the same, like, horns things on them. But other than that, they look like normal people. They're not like the golem dudes. So let me rephrase that. If Kevin wasn't already playing a bunny girl, I would be playing a bunny girl. But he already is. So for contrast, bunny boy. <laughs> I feel like I'll say you could play a bunny girl, but with clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is a subtle distinction, yes. Is it, like, beneficial to ever use just standard Lancer anymore? Now that I have no, the Dragoon? No, You should never go back to your base class. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what, based on what you and Kevin were describing to me about this game, it sounds like, like, classes are strict upgrades. Yeah. And not, there's no lateral transition. It's very weird that, like, the class system is a little, I don't want to say archaic, but it feels like the game evolved away from them very quickly, but never got rid of them. And there's some benefit to that, to be sure, but it seems weird to me that they still, the, like, starter classes still exist in a lot of ways. And that you don't just straight start in what your permanent class is going to be. There is one edge case scenario where it does make sense to me, but it also seems like there should be some sort of solution you can come to to fix that. So yeah, I've really been enjoying that. Done a little bit of the raid content for the first game. Nothing super serious. One day I will get to Heaven's Word, but first I had to get all my uh, crafting jobs up to level 50, obviously, so that I can gather stuff in Heaven's Word. (laughs) So it's a job-based system, right? And you can swap between them freely as long as you're, like, out of combat and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. There are jobs that are specifically oriented around crafting? Yes. There are crafting jobs and gathering jobs. Weaver is one of the jobs. Weird. Which are, I assume, basically useless in combat. Yes. You can attack an enemy with a sewing needle. It's a bad idea, though. Okay. That makes sense. I'm weirdly intrigued by that concept. Yeah, I mean, it's a little clunky. I don't know. I really like the crafting system, but it's really hard to describe to someone who hasn't seen the crafting system. I Um, haven't even seen the crafting system. I feel like if I describe it to you, Zach, you will hate it. But if you discover it on your (laughs) own, you might like it because it's complex, especially compared to like it's actually you don't just hit the button that says craft this and then craft it. You have to actually make choices and use abilities. 
that actually sounds appealing to me. Interesting. So. You have multiple bars that you need to go up to make a good jacket or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy. I've been playing a lot of The Assignment. The other game I've been playing, though, is Old World, which okay. is a 4X game by the lead designer of Civ 3 and Civ 4. Okay. I feel like this is on my wish list. It's not on Steam. It's only on the store you boycott and dislike, Zach, so I don't think so. Okay, then no, I must be thinking of a different game. Our hum- humanity, humankind. Humankind. I thought that was also an Epic exclusive. Humankind. Not anymore. I don't no. think it is. Oh, well, it just, maybe it was Epic exclusive while it was in beta then, because it's just come out. Well, there's a lot of them now that are doing like a year Epic exclusive, like Darkest Dungeon 2 is also slated to be Epic exclusive for a year. I think all Epic exclusives are timed exclusives, but uh, anyway, everyone's playing Humankind. I don't want to learn that game, so I'm playing Old World, which came out about a month ago. It is a 4X game in the vein of Civ, but it takes place entirely in, I guess, vague antiquity, like when Rome was in power slash the midi- not mid- the pre-medieval era, the classical era, I guess. The, the nations available are Rome, Greece, Babylon, Persia, Assyria, Carthage, and Egypt. I guess those I actually, all kind of existed together. Yeah. I was kind, kind of, of expecting you to end up saying America at the end of that because you see a lot of those. Where it's like, yes, this is my favorite medieval nation, the USA. It's kind of hard to describe. It, it's like Civ, except for in all the ways it's different than Civ, which is a lot of ways. <laughs> now, I think the main thing, I suppose, is they've bolted on a sort of Crusader Kings-esque court system to it, where your leader grows old, gains experience, and eventually dies and passes it on to an heir. And you have this entire court, and the better their opinion of, of you is, the more they contribute their stats to your empire. And you can assign hmm. them to be generals of units or governors of towns interesting to give them benefits yeah that actually sounds like a fun mechanic each civilization has four families and whenever you found a city you have to give it to one of the uh, families and it gets benefits based on which family and then based on that family's opinion of you it also gets further buffs or debuffs but you can only choose three families per game of your four interesting yeah i was gonna say do the families like hold grudges against each other okay yes you have to play inner party politics there are crusader king-esque events that will come up like these two families got in a fight and they came to you to settle it who do you side with and then that their opinion will rise the other one will fall or if you have certain like leader traits that you've acquired you can come to like an agreement with both of them you can form marriage alliances lots of stuff like that there's a lot of complexities to it and that's only one system that they bolted on to like i said what is sort of civ at its core I was going to say it's a 4X game, and I feel like 4X games are all kind of Civ. Yeah, but, but this one was made by fr- a guy who made Civ games, so it seems more so even. Gotcha. I mean, I think I've only ever played one 4X game, and I've never managed to get my head around that one. Civilization? Civ? Oh, I guess Civ. <laughs> so Civ counts as one of those. I was thinking of Hearts of Iron. I was also thinking of Hearts of Iron when yeah. we were saying yeah. that. Like, that's more Crusader Kings-ish than 4X, because you don't really explore in... Uh, hearts of iron nor do you like settle places you start with your thing you conquer you do the fourth acts of exterminate but <laughs> it's ca- sort of that married to a more civ like game like okay. the base game is way more civilization you have settlers you have workers who build improvements your cities build things there are like 10 resources in the game including three different ones that are used for production but if your city is not producing something that uses that then it goes to your overflow like training is one of the resources and you use that for military huh. units, but then you can use your stocked up training to upgrade units. And then the more experience they have, the cheaper that is to do. But you can, if you just have enough training, just fully upgrade a unit right out of the, uh, right after it's built. 
interesting. I feel like there needs to be a West Point Academy, um, specifically. Interesting. Although this is making me think I should play Europa Universalis. Yeah, it. I own it, and I've just never played it. Same here. I've heard it's really good. Uh, the other major system it has is an order system, which is every turn you have a limited number of orders, and moving a unit or doing anything with it consumes an order. Okay, so you can't just move your entire army around like you do in Civ. Yeah, what it ultimately does is create a huge trade-off to war, where if you're at war, you basically can't use your workers or have economic development. Which uh, is... That's not... That's kind of backwards. I was going to say it's an interesting trade-off. Because... It, it helps with the problem that war in most 4X games is just always the best way to gain momentum, because you take from your opponent while gaining for yourself. And you certainly can. It's just the more workers you, you spend time with the fewer orders you have for your army so I if mean, you get a huge number of orders you can do both but historically as so long as you're winning the war it is the best way for to spur economic development oh and it's the best way to win still because the one thing i don't like about the game is the victory conditions because like unlike in civ where there are all sorts of different ones it feels like there are technically five ways you can win but it feels like there are two Kill everybody else? Kill everybody else is technically a way to win, but it's just so hard to do that before you win one of the other ways. Oh, interesting. Because the main thing is there's a point system, and depending on the number of players and the map size, there's a score limit to the game. Basically, you get one point per city, but then each city has culture, and there are four culture thresholds, and certain improvements are gated by how the culture of a city. And then so a, a starting city is worth one point, a developing city is two, a strongest three and a legendary is four. But also there's like a runaway victory where you're halfway to the victories a number and double your next opponent you win. Okay. Which is usually the way I end up winning. That seems a little unsatisfying though. Yeah, yes, frequently. Yeah. Because it frequently comes out of nowhere. That suddenly like you get a turn where you gain four points. Unless you're actively at war with the second best player and swinging doing po- huge point swings against them. The other way is you get ambitions on each leader which are just random things like each of your families will suggest an ambition and so you like war like families will be like take away five cities from an enemy and economic ones will be like build 10 old men that will help your economy <laughs> and if you complete 10 ambitions you win which i've done once the problem with ambitions is i think the early one game ones are really good and the late game ones are interesting but it feels like there are no mid game ones it feels like I do the early game ones, and then they're all impossible to do until I've won the game already. Huh, that's yeah. interesting. There's a 200-turn limit. I can't imagine getting to it ever. What's the longest game you've played so far? 110 turns. They almost all end around turn 100. I wonder if that would be different if you're playing with another human player of comparable skill. Yes, but I also feel like this game is much better played against the AI than other humans. It does have multiplayer. It is enabled. But because of the order system, they give you an undo button, gotcha. which I think is... Not necessary, but because orders are limited, I think it's very important and friendly. And you can turn it off, and I assume it's off in multiplayer. I also, to be fair, feel that way about Civ. I feel like Civ is best played against the AI. I do, too. I don't think it makes a very good uh, multiplayer game. It's I, it's it's fun, but I feel like it is a better AI game. I mean, the few times we've played it multiplayer, I've spent a lot of time playing Fate Go. <laughs> So I find it very interesting, but I find the victory conditions very unsatisfying. And I always think every game, like, ah, I think I'm done with this. But then I'm like, you know what? What if I tried to do an all economic game and didn't build a military this game? And it never works. And it always ends with me at war with three people taking all of their cities. <laughs> um, one thing I do think is very interesting is the way the tech tree works. 
Uh, it's a little difficult to s- describe, but you have a deck with all of your available technologies in it, and each time you have to pick one, it deals you three, and the other two are discarded, and you can't select them again until they're shuffled back into your deck. Hmm. Which m- makes prioritizing text, it makes it so you can't just beeline something, because you, once you get the prereq, the next one isn't shuffled into your deck until your next shuffle. But it also means that you tech choices are very important. You have to choose which one of these is available is going to help you most. Which means almost every game I end up without a necessary technology until like the very end of the game. I'm like, yeah, I probably should discover schools now. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, it would be good to have the basic courthouse at this point and citizenship. Which I find very interesting and in you have to make do with what you have sort of way. And that's the one bit of replayability the game has really had for me. I actually really like that. I feel like a lot of the... Well, that's not entirely true. I was going to say Civ has a lot of randomization in the map, which is, I think, where a lot of the interesting... It can, so long as you have it turned on. Otherwise, you're pretty much going to have things starting in the same place every time. I I like fairly random maps in 4X games for this reason, because I feel like they foster creative thinking. They can. This game is a little more limited than that, because... There's a limited number of city sites on every map, and those are the only places you can put cities. And so you can't just found one anywhere yeah. like you do in Civ? Yeah. Okay. But that creates really interesting early game military stuff where you're jockeying for city position, because once you have a military unit on one, it's yours unless you move the military unit off or it's killed. So there's a lot of interesting systems going on in the game, but I feel like discovering the systems and how they work together is much more satisfying than actually playing the game. That's unfortunate. Yeah. That is all I've been playing. What have you been playing, Zach? So, as usual, I've been playing an awful lot of League of Legends because, like, because most of the games I've been playing are about 20 minutes. Just nip into a quick one of those and move on. Played a little bit of Darkest Dungeon. I bought it on my computer. I just haven't gotten around to loading it up on that. I've actually also been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV. It doesn't seem like you've been playing a lot to me. And maybe that's just skewed because level is a really bad way to measure your progress and it's all I can see. The reason why it doesn't feel like it is because I can only play the game for about an hour or so every time. Because it is probably the most unsatisfying game I've ever played. It is a very technically good game. Like, it's actually a very good game. It's just incredibly unsatisfying to play. I don't want to say you're playing it wrong, because that makes me sound like an asshole. But why do you think it's unsatisfying? Because the game has, like, I've mentioned it before. The Actually, I don't know if I mentioned it on the mic. The combat system, like, I kill a monster. Neat. There's there's nothing there. I get some crap, which goes into my bag, which I haven't opened since I started playing the game, because it doesn't matter. You've mentioned lack of fanfare, I think, specifically. Leveling up doesn't feel satisfying, because it just dumps a skill onto me if i have the opportunity for it i'll totally agree with you there i don't think leveling up is very satisfying there's absolutely no challenge i don't feel accomplished when i overcome something the few times i've died has been because i wasn't paying attention because it wasn't worth paying attention to and on the last episode when i was talking about a lot of stuff that modern wow does that i have a problem with that final fantasy also does lack of challenge is very much what i was talking about i completely agree with you there the weird thing to me is, like, why do you engage with the combat system so much if you don't find it rewarding? Mainly because I'm whenever I'm doing that, it's like, oh, yeah, I should level this up instead of dealing with because of the fact that I've heard that you get really over leveled. I'm already wildly over leveled for a lot of stuff. Yeah. So it's like, OK, I'm going to take care of a lot of this, these other little things. But on top of that, they don't give you any quests. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I mean by I think maybe you're playing the game wrong. It seems to me like you feel obliged to do a bunch of stuff you don't think is fun, 
when that stuff is unrewarding and not what the game wants you to do. Then that's a failure in game design. I don't think it's a failure in game design necessarily. I think it's like you think the game is one thing that it's not. Because, again, you you say, oh, this is unrewarding, but I'm going to keep doing it. I kind of side with Zach on that point, though, because if the game encourages, like, if it is a different game than what a player thinks it is, I think that is a failure of the game to telegraph what how it they intended you to engage with it. I, I think that's a fair criticism, but I think the way it's telegraphing to Zach is by making combat unrewarding. That's fair. The other thing is quests are unrewarding, so why too. should I bother with those? It's like, here's your main quest. All right, so your quest is going to be to, from, to go from this guy to over here and talk to that guy. Okay, what am I going to do there? Just that. And the then main... run all the way back over here to talk to me again. I, like I said, I didn't want to frustrate you with this, Zach, but I think if you just started playing the main quest, you would enjoy the game more if you just focused on that. I hate the main quest. Oh, really? Because all of the quests are go talk to this guy, then come back here and talk to me. And because of the fact that the game uses the uh, there's so it's so easy to teleport to literally anywhere on the map. Travel is unsatisfying because the game feels like it's taking place within a five by five. And that's not very much fun either. So it's like, go talk to this dude. Okay, I did that. And then I came back and talked to you. And now my next quest is go talk to this other dude and come back and talk to you. See, and I didn't have that from the main quest, really. Like I said, I don't think the main quest story is good, but I enjoyed the ride. And it was enough to keep me motivated to keep going. It's interesting that you say that about travel, because I don't know that you're wrong. It's just that if you compare any MMO, including this one, to World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft feels like this huge world. It's got two full continents that feel like they're like genuine continents that you have to traverse, right? And every other MMO feels like it is one city that you have to go through and you teleport around. And like Star Wars didn't feel like one city. It felt like a number of planets, but a planet was just a small area and then you teleported to the next planet. It didn't feel like a interconnected world. It felt like a bunch of little tiny levels that you teleported between. And Final Fantasy is the MMO that has come closest to WoW to me in the terms of having an interconnected world you can travel between. So it's interesting to me to hear you say that. And I wonder if it's just because my expectations are so low for an MMO that's not <laughs> WoW. I'm like, oh my god, it has like multiple zones together and they have ecologies. Can you believe it? Ecologies? Like, if I go from here to here, I get to the forest. Yeah, I could just teleport or take an airship to the forest, but it will let me walk. Oh my god, you can't walk anywhere in Star Wars. It kind of makes sense because Star Wars, but it does seem like in DC you should be able to walk between Metropolis and Gotham, but no, those are just the only two places that exist in the world, and they're both giant cities. See, I uh, I initially walked to the forest area because I started as a gladiator and wanted to play a lancer instead, so that felt kind of nice when I was actually having to wander around and go to places, but then I found the teleportation, and since teleportation technically costs money, but it's so insubstantial, and since you don't need to spend money on anything else, like it doesn't matter, which makes the ma- which makes the map, which felt initially very big, shrink in a hurry. Yeah, and then on top of that, the game is so stingy with giving you stuff. It's like, hey, do you want a new spear? I would love a new spear. Well, you're gonna have to wait till you get us to get a specific quest in the next five levels for us to give you a quest to get a new spear. See, I don't feel like it's very. I don't think the game is stingy. That's the only place that I really have an argument with you. I feel like the game is very generous in a lot of ways with that. And in some ways, that's almost worse, because I feel like I'm just getting given a bunch of good gear that I don't need. Because I, 
enjoy the crafting system, as I kind of talked about. So I wanted to level up my crafters. But every time I was about to be able to craft myself a new weapon, the game just gave it to me. And I feel like in some ways it's over generous, especially in the early stuff. I think most of your complaints are valid, though. I, I do find it weird that you engage with the combat system so much when you don't like it, because I think your uh, argument about the rewards being unsatisfied is fair. Same with quests. The game doesn't really want you to do those things. They want you to party up with other players and they want you to advance the main story. There's other stuff there for you to do if you want, but that's only there for if like you're like, oh, I really enjoy these quests. With you don't, and I don't blame you for. I don't, I mean, I think they're the best quest design 2011 has to offer, which was not <laughs> much better than what 2005 had to offer. Well, it's because of the, in part, I keep engaging with it because of the journal and the intention to get que- to get classes to 16, yeah. which is obnoxious. Yeah, I'll totally agree with you there. The worst part about the game is getting jobs after your first one to 16. You can do the guildhouse roulette, but that's not really good either. It's just the way I do it, because that way I do that once a day, and then I'm like, okay, I made my progress today. And in like six weeks, I'll be at 16, and I can level that class up. But that's because I'm in no hurry. It's still a very good game. Yeah. Yes, it's it feels unsatisfying, but when I'm playing it, I'm usually having fun. Yeah. I usually stop after, like I said, about like an hour or two, and then I go do something else. I wonder if this is more similar to like how you have described uh, playing Slay the Spire as eating potato chips, Jeremy. And I'm wondering if it, like that is not a satisfying experience, I think. Yeah, that, that's fair. I don't think that analogy quite plays, but I want to engage with it. One of the reasons I didn't want to fight with Zach over it is I think our opinions on the game are very similar. Most of the areas that Zach has complaints, I also have complaints. And I also think it's a very good game with a few problems. I think a lot of the problems are unfortunately just problems you get with a 10-year MMO, where the developer's focus is on the current game. And they sort of make it faster and faster to go through the earlier stuff, because they still want you to do that content. They worked hard on it. And in the case of Final Fantasy, the story stuff is kind of important for context for later story. But they just increase the reward for just doing the bare minimum higher and higher and higher. So that's all you have to do. And that's not a satisfying game experience. Like, I kind of considered suggesting you play it like a single player RPG, Tyler, as much as possible, because I thought that would be interesting. But I think that's the place where it's weakest also, even though it's sort of intended to do that. Because when I had the most fun is when I hit 50 and was done with the main story quest. And suddenly all these other things opened up to me. Suddenly, if I just wanted to go to the gold saucer and play casino games, that was rewarding to me and I could do it. Suddenly I could just level up all of my crafting classes and I found that satisfying. I think I'm insane for doing it. I wouldn't recommend (laughs) anyone else do it. I'm not saying it's a great system, but I really, really enjoyed that. I really, really enjoyed suddenly having all of these dungeons unlocked and I could go through them all just to do them if I wanted or wait until there were further benefits for me. That's when I really started to enjoy the game, which was after I talked about it last week. So I was already enjoying it beforehand. But I think the major difference between me and Zach is I didn't enjoy the main story. I, like, that's not true. I did enjoy the main story. I just I'm like, I'm not I'm not going to recommend it as like five star cuisine. What a great story. <laughs> the way people say the most recent expansion was legitimately a fantastic video game story and one of the best ever told. Um, and they have to improve a lot if they want to get there from where they started. That's fair. And, you know, they hired a totally new story writer, so I'm not going to say it's impossible. Doubt. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the problems that I have with the game is weirdly the removal of busy work. Yeah. I, 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 a lot of it is the fact that I kill this thing. It dumps some junk into my inventory. Okay. I don't know what this junk is. I don't really care. Like I said, I haven't even opened up my inventory except for like twice. And I think one of those was because they gave you, they gave me a weapon crate. And I was like, all right, I'll open it on a different class. Cause I've already got a better spear than this thing. 
But other than that, like in WoW, I kill something and I loot the body, and it's like, okay, I could find some, I could find a green item or something like that on it. I could find some cooking thing that I needed. But like, even if I'm not engaging with half this other stuff that WoW could bring to the table, I can still get something I want out of just any enemy I happen to kill. Whereas this one, it's like, I killed this thing. What did I get? You got some experience and some shit. Okay, like that. That's not really fun. And then when we when you get to the uh, the instances, they're they're designed to encounters, and there were actually kind of interesting. But they're like, okay, if it's not a chest, it's the same as outside. Huh. Yeah, I definitely think the loot system in Final Fantasy is inferior to games like World of Warcraft. The loot becomes very important if you're crafting because everything that a monster can drop can be used in a crafting recipe. There is no junk, and I find that very satisfying and interesting. But if you're not purposely engaging in the crafting stuff, which is like I said, I don't necessarily recommend. I enjoyed it. I do recommend you dip your toys toes in it. And if you enjoy it like I do, then keep going. It gets more rewarding as you go. But if you don't enjoy it, do not continue going in. You're only going to find out how to waste 50 hours getting all of your <laughs> crafting classes to 50. Um, I mean, like I said, I still believe the game is very, very good. Yeah. It has one of the best free trial experiences I've ever encountered. When I say unsatisfying, it's more a matter of, like, this is not a game I'm going to be able to sit down and play for 50 hours straight. Yeah, and I think... Because, like, other games that are RPG-like and have a lot of stuff that uses a similar setup to that, like, you look at most RPGs. It's like, I have this 50-hour story, but I also have all of my companions to talk to. I've got a whole bunch of other stuff I can do to just engage with the world. The one I kept coming back to is Mass Effect, because I think it's roughly equivalent to the time frame. Uh, Mass Effect's a bit older, but yeah, it's a fair comparison. And the other reason is because it, it also has the junk is just dumped into your inventory. Um, but I'm thinking of Bravely Default, honestly. <laughs> I never played Bravely Default, so that's obviously not going to be the one I go to. But with Mass Effect, it's like I've got all my companions. I can go talk to all of them, find out what makes them tick, you know, have fun talking to Rex. He's always a blast to talk to. And then when I open up my inventory, it's like, here's all this stuff. And I can go through it and be like, okay, this is all, this is a better gun. This is a better gun. This is better armor, you know, whatever. Manage my teammates and equipment or whatever. Here, it's like, I've got junk in my inventory. That's all I've got in there. Especially because all the weapons are dumped into your armory chest, not your actual inventory. Yeah, I hope that you stick with it. Because I think, I don't want to say the game gets good after 50 hours. Because that's not my belief either. But I think you will get to a point where that becomes true if you stick with the game. Also... Anybody who tells me something like the game gets good after 50 hours, <laughs> I'm immediately dropping because that means it's not good for those first 50 hours, which means they're not worth my time. Yeah. And like, I think that's why I don't want to say it is I did enjoy the first. Like I said, I enjoyed going through the main story of it. I actually enjoyed that experience. I just once I got through it and started enjoying the game a lot more. I feel like I'm giving that, that you're getting the wrong. Uh, yeah, e no, expression. I think we're both getting the wrong impression off each other, which is why I keep going back to that, because we both think the game is very good, right? I, and like I said, I'm enjoying I actually enjoy the game when I'm playing it. Yeah, you, you just you want to take a break after it's just an hour after about an hour or so. I have to take a break because there's yeah. nothing there that that is keeping me continuing and be like i have to see what happens next or i have to encounter or i have to go do this other thing or i want to go through this instance and get this one particular piece of equipment because it's just like yeah it, it feels like i've been doing the same thing for the past hour and to be honest that's my experience with the game too <laughs> like uh, frequently after about an hour or so of progress i'm like okay that was enough final fantasy for today i think it's probably closer to like two two and a half hours for me but it's basically the same it, it really it really depends like i know at one point i i played because it was like I, I summoned the Chocobo as my ally 
instead. I summoned Chicken as my ally. And so, like, he goes away after half an hour. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to use combat until he leaves. And then he stuck around for, like, two hours. And I'm like, why are you still here? I haven't fed you. Why are you still here? Um, Maybe that's why. The last quest of the uh, Lancer one was rather funny because the Edgelord 2.0 I was like, feel sorry for me. And I'm like, no, you're standing on a cliff. I'll... You know, they always show the guy, like, accidentally fall off a cliff. And I'm like, you know, it's a good thing I'm not in control because I just push him because he's obnoxious. (laughs) He's obnoxious and trying to get everybody else killed for stupid reasons. I guess, in conclusion, Zach, I think you are forcing yourself to do the combat when you don't need to in certain ways. And I think, like, this is not like, oh, Final Fantasy will be more fun for you if you stop this. This is like, as your friend, I think you will enjoy your life more if you just (laughs) don't do any combat unless you are doing it for another reason. Well, like I said, I was mainly doing it because I had the rested bar. Yeah. And I, I was trying to level up my the class so that I could use it in the like the roulette so that I can get stuff for other yeah, stuff. And I understand that impulse, Zach, because I had it too. But I think you will have more fun with your life and enjoy it more if you just ignore that rested bar. At least until you hit 50 on one class and the game opens up more. Because that's when I started leveling alts and it was more satisfying experience. Because I had things like my flying mount so I could just fly to where a good location was to do that. And do it just a little bit at a time. I could go to where I like needed to gather some stuff and kill some enemies for a little bit and then gather. I think that is your main problem with the game is that you are engaging in something that you have correctly identified doesn't reward you. But something compels you to keep doing it. Uh, he's probably right. Like th- this man has known me for 20 years. He's probably right. And like I said, because I came from WoW, I was subject to some of the same stuff at first. I think I just gave uh, identified faster. Oh, that's not. It's just more fun if I just do the story stuff or if I just do dungeons, the stuff I actually want to do. Why do I feel like I need to fight things as I run by them? I really don't. I think the other part of that is also is just tracked on the fact that a lot of the abilities are the same between classes. Oh, yes, especially early on. That changes dramatically once you start getting into like the 40s. But uh, like Marauder and Gladiator, as far as I can tell, are the same class until they unlock Warrior and Paladin. That's the reason why I stopped leveling up classes and I just started doing them one at a time. Yeah, I got the, the low quick for the rogue and I'm like, wait a minute, I already have this on my Lancer. Wait, Bloodlust? I already have this on the Lancer. Well, and some of that is there is a set of abilities that are common to roles, too. Because because it's based on Final Fantasy, the game launched with a cross-class system where you could take certain skills from other classes. But like everything uh, in an MMO, the best ones, just everyone always took the same ones. So they took the system out and just gave those abilities to all the classes to help with balance. Huh. Sounds like they just did a poor man's version of Guild Wars on that count. But since you haven't actually been playing Final Fantasy XIV, and we've been going on this particular game for a half an hour, what have you been playing? Jeremy, what about uh, getting your new mount? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I got a behemoth. It's knife. Ke- Kevin is, gets is all it the a mount? Yeah. <laughs> I've oh. seen a couple of people. I still want to get a four-man group to go after a behemoth in Monster, Monster Hunter, Hunter World. Oh, yeah, we should do that sometime. I don't know. I'm not sure if your computer could handle it, if it unless it's working again. That'd be really cool, though. Yes, I do want to do that. What have you been playing, Tyler, in all seriousness? I'm trying to remember a number of things. I think, actually, nothing terribly in-depth. It's been kind of a month. I, I have most... I, okay, let me go back a second. I think the most interesting game I played recently is called Graveyard Keeper. It's what if Stardew Valley was you keeping a graveyard and you harvested meat off of the corpses that were sent to you. And uh, you had Bob from 
Dresden, Dresden Files as your spirit guide, and he was really into beer. I this gonna, sounds horrifying. I was uh, gonna say this sounds. Like, I was gonna say this game sounds like just a worse version of Stardew Valley. But then I was like, what are the romance options like? Yeah, no, that's an interesting question. I haven't gotten Goth far enough. Girl, vampire girl, zombie girl, mad ghost scientist girl. girl. Thus Ooh, far, girl. I could go for ghost girl. Literally, everyone in town hates you, so I don't. I don't know where well, that that's just makes go. it. That, that just that means just, you're playing Stardew Valley on hard mode. That yep. just me, that just means they're Sundari, Tyler. <laughs> it's also implied that you're in like some sort of weird alternate dimension or like in between limbo space where everyone is cast into a role and they have no choice about it, and everyone's very grumpy about it because they've been there for a couple hundred years, and you're the first new person to be there in a long time. So you, the game literally begins with you going to a 7-Eleven and getting isekai'd uh, by your friend Buskoon. So, Buskoon, not it, train coon, not, not truck coon. It's not truck coon. Train it's, fan. It, it's it's Buskoon in this one. Um, <laughs> Tyler, did you forget the Shin Ten at the start of the game? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Shin Megami no Tensei, um, Graveyard Keeper. As I only played a little bit of that. Jen forced me to play it while we were out the other day, and I actually was rather enjoying it. Like, there's a whole thing where like you unlock a parish. So there's, like, you attract people to your town by making the graveyard really nice and then also becoming a cleric. And, like, it's got a bunch of weird stuff going on. It's Zach has given me a look, so... <laughs> Let's go visit this town. I, I hear they've got a really nice graveyard. Well, it's, uh, you get made a cleric and the church is in the graveyard, but no one's used it in a long time because the previous graveyard keeper was a not very good at his job, I guess. So you gotta break all the rocks and stumps that are in the church. Exactly, and- yeah, yeah. So you have to, like, improve the quality of the graveyard before the bishop allows you to be a cleric so that you can reopen the church. So there are a bunch of ancient packs that you're apparently having honored for you that no one tells you about. So you're also a warlock, apparently. Yes, also that. Um, Also, you're a warlock. It seems like a fairly interesting game. I'm pretty into it. I do not own it yet, but I might actually have to go pick it up at some point. I think it is on Steam and Switch. So do with that information what you will. I've been playing a lot of the assignment. Oh, I've been playing Pokemon Unite, which I think has come out since the last time we recorded. It's my first MOBA. And by that, I mean not my first MOBA. I mean it's Baby's first MOBA. Uh, (laughs) I've I've heard a lot of that. It's fun. The matches are only 10 minutes, so if you have a really short attention span like I do, um, I think it is maybe a little bit more preferable to League or something a bit longer format. Depends on what game mode you're playing in League, but yeah, probably. Yeah. All the matches are 10 minutes max. There are some shorter match types. Um, oh, is it actually on a like a strict timer, 10 minutes and it's done? Yeah, because yeah. it's a score-based game, right? Yeah, so the, the thing is you kill mobs, you get points, you score those points at opponent's goals. You can destroy four of the five goals uh, with the one next to their spawn point being indestructible. If you manage to destroy every... Or, and also, I'm not a huge fan of this mechanic. Last two minutes, all points over double. So you could theoretically just sit on everything until yeah. the last two minutes. It's kind of game show time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, also, Zapdos is broken. He just makes it so that you score immediately if you get up to anyone's goalposts, if you manage to kill him for your team. I don't know that there's a lot to say about it. I've been having a fair amount of fun with it. I am... I, what are the, like, levels of rank in other games? Iron, bronze, silver... Gold, platinum, diamond, mat, diamond, master, challenger. Okay, so this has four, and within each there are four levels. So I just hit, hit second rank of the third level. So, so your second rank ultra ball. Yeah, essentially, yes. I think it's called expert or something, oh. but it should have been like normal, great, ultra, master. Oh, that, but... That's how Sword and Shield does their ranking, so I just assumed Unite would do it as well. Yeah, no, it would have made a lot more sense, but that's not what they do. 
I would have taken netball. I don't know what that <laughs> is. Um, it's a nice side transition. It's weird because I normally play support characters in like almost every game. But I started playing this with James and James also plays support characters. So I let him play a support character. So I've actually ended up as melee attacker for most of my roles, which is a very different situation for me to be in. Turns out I really like playing that. Assassin so. or juggernaut. Both. It alternates. Um, I also play tank occasionally. So I said juggernaut, not tank. Yeah, no, I'm saying, yeah, either of those, or I will play tank instead. Um, just it, melee attacks. Yeah, just melee like attacks. like things that have melee attacks. Yes, no, the range attackers all suck. I don't know why anyone ever plays them except Gengar OP. Um, <laughs> Gengar's a Blitzcrank equivalent. Um, interesting. Every game um, has one. Yeah, I guess Slowbro has a hook, so. It's probably Slowbro then. Yeah, he's also a ranged defending, or a ranged tank. So the fact that he has a hook is weird. Only useful if you have a melee attacker hanging around. So I mean, to be fair, that does make some sense. Because at the very least, if you play full AP Blitzcrank, you can die before you hit the ground. Yep. What else have you been playing, Tyler? I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, obviously, I've been pl- I, I think I mentioned this a while ago. I got bought Slay the Spire on my phone also. And yep. I've now been churning through all the achievements on that. And I'm almost done with that, too. So I might actually be done with Slay the Spire soon. Um, I after. don't think you'll ever be done. You've no. said that Fire. in the past. It's, I have it's said that. beats eternal. Yep, it does, unfortunately. And I could just keep coming back to it. Um, I actually might pick up Grifland soon, which sounds like it hits a lot more of the stuff that I wanted Slay the Spire to hit before I played a lot of Slay the Spire. It's got, like, an actual story and stuff. Slay the Spire has a story, kind of. Kind of. There's a lot you can infer, but... It's got a setting. Mm. That's like a story. It's got a setting, yes. I'm I'm weirdly interested in the setting, but the game is not interested in telling you anything about it. What else have I been up to? Something, I'm sure. Uh, Pokemon Snap had a bunch of DLC come out recently. Oh, I should I should finish Pokemon Snap. And by finish, I mean do all the requests. I did finish that game. I, yeah, I have not gotten the ending credits yet. Um, I did. I, I, I was a bitch and just was like, I'm going to finish this game. And stop doing requests. Stop trying to get Magikarp in the exact goddamn spot I need him to to do this. And just finish this game. Hi, Arceus. Sup? <laughs> does it actually end with an Arceus? I think it does. I might be misremembering. I've not actually been playing a ton of that. but No, I no Xerneas, to. not Arceus. My bad. Arceus oh, would have okay. been cooler. Didn't you say you were playing a lot of Hollow Knight? Oh, no. I mean, that was, I was saving that for last. So I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. Um... But I can't think of anything, and looking through my mental image my recently played on Steam, I also don't think I've played a whole lot on there. So, also, I've been playing a fair amount of Hollow Knight. Um, Everybody likes that game. I should probably play it. I would like it, I bet. It's good. I've never played it. If you like the more Castlevania-inspired Metroidvanias, um, you will like Hollow Knight. Also, it's got a really weird setting where everyone's a bug for some reason. That's cool. So you don't feel bad about murdering them, or wonder, why am I fighting these things? I actually do wonder that a lot because I'm, I'm like, why are these different from the other bugs that I can talk to and like do trade with? And Check ter- the uh, the game theory on that. He answers that question. Oh, really? Is there one on Hollow Knight? I yep. think I somehow missed that. Um, well, I was going to say the answer also is a lot of them are basically zombies. So there's that. There are also some that are like literally fungus infected parasites. What to say about Hollow Knight? Oh, no, it's got... It's it's weird, vaguely gothic. It's got, like, really cool color scheming. Combat is not as satisfying as I wanted it to be. I remember hearing something really interesting about the map system, but I don't remember what that was. I actually really like the way the map works because it encourages you to, like, really set out when you get into a new area. So you do not have a map of an area until you find a guy you can get the map from. 
even after you get a map of a new area, you do not update the map with places you have been until you rest. So there are benches scattered throughout the map that restore your health. If you sit on them, also it updates your map with any new information. So Does it also respawn all enemies that you took out? No. No, it does not do that. Actually, every time you leave a room and re-enter it, all the enemies respawn, which I kind of like because unless you're going to be doing a particularly hard platforming element, there's not a whole lot of reason to engage with enemies. So you can basically just zip by them, um, especially as you unlock more and more movement options. You also start with, like, basically no movement options. You walk very slow and you hit things with sword. That Those are pretty much your options. Eventually you get dash, uh, you get wall jumps and stuff. I, I think... You get a double jump at some point, but I don't know. I don't know. It's a fairly interesting game. I It has a really cool feel to it. Like, the characters are really well written, despite there not being a whole lot of them, and the fact that you don't interact with them very much, which is actually probably what gives them more depth than they actually have, is because you talk to them so infrequently. It's kind of like uh, mimicking depth by lack of interaction. Yeah, essentially. Like, you, you encounter NPCs so infrequently. That when you do, it's like a breath of fresh air compared to the musty dungeon you've been wandering through the entire time. Well, I mean, we we mentioned it a couple of times on our other podcast where you've got a couple of people where they make a very brief appearance, but they manage to give that person a lot of uh, character, even so. Yeah, and I, I think they are very efficient with their use of dialogue. I'm trying to think any the boss fights are just legitimately very fun. I do like those a lot. The soul mechanic is interesting. So every time you hit an enemy, you drain a bit of their like life essence. And you can use that mostly for healing yourself. You also get a ranged attack. And another thing that I never use. Um, it's like a ground pound. No one no one cares. It's useless. But all these things require soul. So in order to keep yourself healthy, because there are so few rest points and nothing drops health pickups, you have to attack enemies. So there's a little bit of trade-off where, like, every opportunity for you to heal is also an opportunity for the enemy to damage you, which is nice. Also, when you die, you leave a ghost, and you have to go kill your own ghost to reabsorb your soul and get back to full uh, soul capacity. So, by default, you have three charges, and if you die, you are down to two charges. Interesting. Yeah. The fact that you have to fight yourself to get your stuff back. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, the music changes when you get close to a ghost, too, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, but it marks it on the map if you have a map of that area. So you can always go back to where you dropped your body. The more important thing is you lose all your money until you pick it back up. And if you die again, you lose all your money permanently. That's pretty standard. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds a lot like Dark Souls in that respect. Speaking of Dark Souls, we played Dark Souls this week. And we sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Souls is a game with a reputation, you might say. It's got two reputations, I think. One of which it deserves, and one of which I think has been blown kind of wildly out of proportion. It's got a reputation as a very good game. And I think we all agree that it is. I think I'm going to be playing Devil's Advocate a lot this podcast and arguing against it in some ways. Maybe Zach will take that role, because he thinks Dark Souls 3 is much better. But I think we all can say, before we even begin, that we all like this game a lot. Yes. Yep. Agreed. And I think its reputation as a quality video game is very deserved. It also has a reputation as a very difficult video game, which I think is kind of blown out of proportion. I agree it's definitely blown out of proportion. It is difficult, for sure. It's certainly, it's not like the balls hard, crazy, like I'm going to rip my hair out yeah. experience everyone led me to believe it would be. Depends on the boss, but I kind of agree. I think it's just a game that will actually punish you for making mistakes and, you know, get off my lawn, you young kids and your, <laughs> and your Fortnites. And, and to be fair, I don't think it's young kids who think Dark Souls is hard. I think it's 30-something gamers that are used to, hey, press X to win game. 
I've just I'm saying I played a lot of Mega Man where you just die a lot. Well, I, I think so. this, it is legitimately a fairly difficult game because of the fact that it'll punish mistakes and it's difficult to recover from some of them to progress. But I mean, I think it's a, got a pretty good thing going on where a lot of times if it's punishing you for something, it, you made a yep. mistake. You yep. screwed up. The game is like there are a few traps that feel like, OK, you got me. Ha ha. But for the most part, the game is not trying to beat. The game just doesn't care if you beat it. If you like are like, oh, this is too hard and you leave, the game doesn't care. Where there's so many games are terrified you're not going to finish them that exist. And I think that's the reason that it gets this reputation. I also think it very deliberately is trying to create something that feels like an NES game in a lot of ways. And that it's hard, but there are weird secrets that only some people can find. And you don't realize how big it is until later. I think that's all very deliberate. And some of that is the Nintendo hard difficulty of it. So the game needs to actually be kind of hard to encourage that, or else you're all just going to have the same experience. I think Dark Souls is a game where three people can come play it and have very different experiences. Well, I mean, at least uh, I'm pretty sure this is also the same as in later games with this. Part of the difficulty might come from the fact that uh, finding the actual storyline to get the best ending is super esoteric. There's like, it's a hard story? To- <laughs> There is, believe it or not, a story behind these games, and it's hard to find because it's buried amongst, like, like NPCs' location and talking to them and doing specific things with them. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into that, but more later, because I want to talk about ways this game's reputation as being very hard made the game far worse for me. Interesting. So I, I guess start with a detail that's going to become important later. I have two PS4 controllers. Usually I will play with one while the other one is charging. That's what I do too, yeah. So I plugged one of my PS4 controllers in, grabbed the other one, started playing this game. Got to that first boss that's immediately in the game. Died to him a bunch. Did not realize there was a door on my left because this game has a reputation for being very hard. And I thought, okay, I have to fight this guy. When you don't, there's a door right there. So I was like, well, that sucks. You wasted some time, Jeremy. Went through, did the stuff, beat the boss, got to Firelink Shrine. First thing I found, I, I missed the staircase to where you're, to the aqueduct where I guess in air quotes you're supposed to go. They're, actually, it's very open from there if you want to speed run and stuff. I w- found the skeleton graveyard and was like, okay, these oh man, these skeletons are kicking my ass. Well, this game is very hard, so I guess I just have to get good until I can beat these skeletons. Spent four hours learning oh to get through those skeletons, get to the catacombs under. I spent about a half hour before I gave up on them. So oh, wow. <laughs> this game is hard. I need to beat these skeletons. While that was happening, my controller ran out of batteries. I grabbed the other. My USB-C uh, cable had broken. That, ca- oh, no. that controller didn't have batteries. I quickly grabbed another one, plugged the controller I was using in, uh, got back to the bonfire, and let that one charge overnight. Continued to use this controller. Game from there went kind of smooth. I went another direction. I looked up some guides to find out some mechanics to be like, am I just going in the wrong direction? They're like, yes, you dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you think there was a reason the skeletons were so hard? (laughs) Went, found the easy enemies that died under my heel. Went through, played the game, had some fun, you know, occasionally died. Went into some Black Knights, but I wasn't quite ready to face. And then found the Bell Gargoyles. And proceeded to run my face into the bell gargoyles for about eight hours, which is as far as you guys got, right? That's where I have been, yeah. This feels like bragging, whereas to me, I was like, oh, these guys have to be so much further. My controller ran out of batteries fighting the bell gargoyles. And I I thought I knew how to beat them, but whenever I would try to sprint to get around the fire attack, it just didn't seem to be working consistently. And sometimes I would dodge roll in a completely random direction. And I'm like, Jeremy, don't blame the controller. Dumbasses do that. This is your fault. You probably just flicked the stick the wrong direction. Grab my second controller. 
the thumbstick on that first controller is broken. I felt like Rock Lee taking the goddamn lights off, and I beat those gargoyles into the f- ground. <laughs> Did not take a hit. Wow, well done. Yeah, I was like, oh, when the roll goes the way you want, this game suddenly just feels better. And well, oh, I am supposed to be able to run and get them when they shoot the fire. That is supposed to be counterplay. Okay, this game is actually easy, especially now that I earned 50,000 souls trying to beat these gargoyles just going through, and now I can spend them however I want and be massively overleveled. The Garbell Gargoyles, as far as I can tell, are the hardest boss in this game. Every other boss I beat, second try hard at most. I have beaten every boss on the second try except the Bell Gargoyles, who I think I am now at like six or seven tries, but most of my problem is I'm not paying attention to my surroundings and I keep accidentally walking off the goddamn roof. I apparently just suck. It takes me more than that to beat most of them. The one time I died without reclaiming my souls, I just ran off a roof. And I felt so (laughs) dumb and frustrated. I took a break for like two days. So yeah, Dark Souls, I definitely think it's a hard game is fair to say. But its reputation, I think, is well overblown. It's hard if you're trying to speedrun and get through these skeletons you're not supposed to fight until way later, for example. The bosses do provide some challenge. But I think for the most part, if you just pay attention to the systems, learn the game, find a weapon you like, it's not a hard game. And even if you can't do that, you can just grind and get experience. Being good at Dark Souls is more important than leveling up your character, but leveling up your character still helps. So I think the reason Dark Souls has this reputation is I think it's trying to be like that old NES game where you and your friends get together and you're like, oh, did you find this cool sword? Oh, did you know if you kill this shopkeeper, he drops this badass katana? Yeah, that girl died for you. Yeah, I just killed that guy. And so he couldn't kill her later. Sort of stuff. Yep. As I say, there's a lot of like esoteric interactions in this. And like, I, I think even talking to you guys briefly about this off the mics, like I completely missed some stuff early on that I had no idea was there. I think you guys had a better experience on it than I did, but that's partly because I came back to it after a while, after quite a bit, and I just kept getting distracted, so I didn't put in quite as much time as I really wanted to. The game, it strikes me as being very similar to a fighting game in a lot of ways, and it's super interesting to me that each weapon is kind of a different moveset. It's things like you have a dodge roll in this game, and it has invincibility frames, which just feels very fighting game to me. The enemies are very static and predictable, so that's not exactly fighting game-like. But I found myself feeling very similar punishment stuff where I'm like, okay, I'll block and here that attack of theirs has this much lag on it. So that's how much time I have to wail on this guy. And often when I would get in trouble, it's because I tried to get in one extra spear thrust when I knew I couldn't get another one in. Or another way this game is hard is that if you press a button, you're committed to that button. There's no canceling it, which I think is good and it's pretty easy to get used to. But most games are more friendly than that. Well, it's like how we were talking about with Castlevania forever ago. Like, yeah. every action, you must commit to that yeah. action. You're married to your jump arcs. Yep. Whereas in Dark Souls, you're married to every thrust, every uh, <laughs> swing, every roll you make. The one thing I feel like you're not committed to is blocking, and you'll let go of that just in time to be hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Ah, see, I mastered the art of never using a shield, because why would you ever not two-hand a weapon all the time? It does so much more damage. Because sword and board, Tyler. I don't have to worry about being a perfect evasion thing. I can just block the dude. Uh, no, I am Kumiko. Uh, all speed, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have to worry about losing the fight if I don't get hit. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think Tyler's way is the better way to play in giant air quotes whereas if you get very good at this game you never get hit and you just kill stuff instantly and the game rewards that extra effort you put in which is very nice 
But also, if you want to be me and be like, this game is easy, you can just hold up a shield for like five hours on each enemy, see what all their attacks do until you know every little intricacy of it. Become fantasy Batman, as Yahtzee put it. Yeah, but at that point, once you've been using the shield, that's when you switch to two hands and you dodge roll everything. So and instead of using a shield for, like, blocking purposes, I just learned how to parry every single enemy and decided that while parrying is very cool, I like the system a lot, it is way faster to just dual hand a katana and bash them over the head with it. Yeah, Tyler, the part of the story I skipped because it's boring is the hour I spent after, like, realizing there was that left turn on the early enemies trying to learn to parry before I decided this is not worth my time. It's not, yeah. I really want it to be, because, like, parrying is very rewarding if you manage to land it. It is disproportionately punishing if you screw it up. I think the only thing that I had that was kind of like that was figuring out that I can use a stab in a narrow corridor so I don't have to worry about bouncing my sword off of the wall. That's the main reason I went for spear. Is that, that was all stabs. And the spear, you block and stab at the same time. Oh, I didn't even know that. Worlds. Again, two-handed weapon, so I never figured out that you could what things you could use a shield with. Yeah, so speaking of not figuring things out, that's probably my greatest criticism of this game. So many systems I found because I googled, hey, what's up with these skeletons? And I just kept reading the wiki. <laughs> I think that's about accurate. I think a lot of the time, like the first time through Dark Souls, one of these type of games, it, there's a lot of question marks. And you can either do what you did and immediately check the wiki. Or you get all the way through it, and then you go back and find and check the wiki for all the stuff you missed. And I think that's intentional. It's like I was gonna I was gonna play devil's advocate, but I think that's to create that playground feeling of like, hey, what's going on? It just understands it's in the internet age, and that playground is www.neoseeker.com. <laughs> well, I think it's also a matter of it wants you to play it again. Yes. So it wants to create like there's all this additional stuff you didn't find. Well, here's the wiki if you want to use it, but take your best shot at finding the stuff you missed. And there are even completely different play styles, right? There's Zach and I's hide behind this piece of metal while we slowly kill this thing. There's Tyler's I have a giant sword and I'm going to roll into your face, dodging your attack to hit you with it. But there's also bow styles. You can use a bow in this game if you want. I did for one boss who was like flying away and it made them easy. You can use magic in this game and there are three different spell systems in this game that all use different stats. There are different sorts of magic weapons that reward different stat investments. Yeah, I was going to say I didn't interact with the magic system at all, but there's like a faith system versus like an intelligence-based system. And then there's pyromancy. <laughs> is is that different? Yep. Okay, I assumed that was one of the intelligence builds. I think it is also intelligence, but I don't think it is the same as regular sorcery. Gotcha. Uh, what class did you all start as, out of curiosity? Wanderer, I think knight i think yeah i definitely went knight and then because of my broken controller i was moving super slow and i looked up the weight mechanics is like if you're under 25 percent encumbrance you move faster and so entirely because i played the first 10 hours of this game with a broken controller i spent the entire game under 25 percent of my weight limit <laughs> <laughs> i just did happen substantially, but that's because no gear ever dropped for me i ended up with a halberd that i was too weak to one hand and I'm like well that's fine i'm two-handing it anyway found a ring and I, I got to experiment with most of the most of them. I found a stabbing sword, but I, every time I found a weapon, I was like, "Yeah, but longsword." I did not like the longsword very much. Although I think I had the same problem that Jeremy did, where I just went spear very early because I got tired of whacking my sword on the wall when I tried to swing it. I was familiar with the longsword because it's got a similar move set in Dark Souls Three, and that's what I used the entire game in Dark Souls Three. 
I really do appreciate that moveset tends to be more important on the weapon than its actual power. Although you can upgrade weapons at the blacksmith, and most of them when they upgrade are is pretty good. And the better the weapon is, the harder it is to upgrade. So. Well, basically, the game has got itself structured in that, uh, yes, leveling up and all that helps, but so long as you're good at it, you can use whatever the hell you want. And I also think that reputation hurts the game, because that's the reason I fought skeletons for four hours. But it is true. I was eventually able to defeat those skeletons. And skeletons cannot harm me. <laughs> Even giant skeletons with huge-ass swords. I am their kryptonite. Or arguably, no bones about it. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I think the obvious stuff people expect us to talk about are the systems in Dark Souls. I, if you die... You have one chance to get back to your corpse, or else you lose all the souls and humanity you had acquired up it's to that point. one of the reasons why I always kept beating my head against any boss I happened to run into. It's because I gotta kill that boss to get my souls back. Yeah, yeah. you gotta go get your corpse. Souls drop from every enemy. They're very interesting in that they're both your experience points. You spend them to level up skills, but they're also currency. You can buy items at shops with them. I am kind of torn on that, but I like it a lot more than modern RPGs where you just get so much gold that anytime you roll into a new city, you buy all the new upgrades and as many consumables as you want and keep going. Well, that's uh, one of the things that we lauded the original Final Fantasy for, right? Is yeah. that like gold was a limited enough resource that you actually had to make a decision about how to spend it? Yes. You, you said that, and I just had an image of an adventurer rolling into a town, dropping this huge bag of gold <laughs> on a counter, and then just walking off with the entire... Yeah. item shop yeah why do you think villages tolerate asshole adventurers blanking their pots and shit it's because they're a huge economic boon whenever they walk <laughs> into town the humanity i mentioned is something you acquire very rarely from monsters i think it's just random but it's probably the most interesting system in the game weirdly i notice sewer rats have a really high chance of dropping it they do i don't know why because they eat humans ah mm, mm. The one thing I read is like, if you want to farm humanity, fight a bunch of rats. And I almost did it because the one time that I fell off a ledge, like I said, I had 11 humanity because I had just discovered how to start using it. Do I, do I want to grind that back up? By default, you are an undead. You have to spend a humanity to turn human, which enables the online features, including the ability for other players to invade you and kill you for humanity. Uh, but it also allows you to summon allies to help in boss fights, which I actually never did. Because after those damn gargoyles, I didn't feel any need to. And I hadn't discovered <laughs> the humanity system before then. It also increases your max health while you are human. Uh, and allows you to kindle bonfires, which will get you more Eustace flasks, which are your health potion. They actually remind me a lot about of lives in traditional NES video games. Your Eustace flasks are essentially your lives. Now, you do actually have to spend the time to drink one. So if you're in a heavy combat situation, you get killed before you can. But they act more like your lives, and when you're out of them, that's when you get a game over. Well, especially in this particular one, because you have to stand still to use the Estus flasks. Yep, and you need to make sure to position yourself so you don't get backstabbed while you're drinking out of them. But I really, really like that some enemies also use them, and they yep. are similarly vulnerable while they are using them. Yeah, I was actually going to point out that I really like how the enemies feel like they are... They feel like other players, they're just less skilled than you, and I actually like that feeling a lot. Yeah. Bonfires are the save points that are scattered throughout. You need them to level up. The level up system is very straightforward. You just allocate a skill point. Unfortunately, the skills don't do a very good job of explaining what they do. So you have to look online. And then just it turns out, just put all your skill in endurance so that whenever the enemy fucks up, you can just keep stabbing them and stabbing them and stabbing them and still have enough stamina to shield afterwards. And the other thing that bonfires do is they reset the world, basically. They put everybody back almost everybody back where they 
started to respawn everybody. There are a couple of bad guys that won't be reset by resting at a bonfire. Including bosses. I was thinking of like the Black Nets because the oh, yeah, bosses yeah, are I know all behind the mist. The bosses are all in their own like, like instanced area. I, I really don't like the mist mechanic. I kind of appreciate it for that thing you were talking about, Zach, about forcing you to fight the boss over and over again to get your souls back. But sometimes the mist leads to a boss and sometimes it just leads to a room. And I find that really unsatisfying that like, I feel like the mist should be a warning of, hey, if you pass here, you're going to fight something. But I feel like half the time that's true. And half the time it's just like, oh, no, this is just more room. And half the time it's more room. But oh, just kidding. There was a boss here. They're a wolf with a sword in their mouth. And I'm like, Pokemon Soul, a legendary Pokemon from Dark. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> I also think the fact that this game hides the, hides the story is, I think, interesting because I really like stories, if you can't tell from our Evangelion Patreon page, that make you work to figure out what's going on. But I don't like it for this game because I never really felt motivated to do things. Like this guy was like, ring the bells, sucker. I'm like, OK, but where, why? <laughs> who, when, why, where, how are the bells? Uh, it doesn't do a particularly good job of making you want to find out the story. But I mean, I, on the same token, I think it's one of those things where it's kind of supposed to be something you find out on subsequent playthroughs. Yeah, but I had even motivation issues about, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, am I going the right direction? I think that there's probably a bell in this church. Why is the other bell underground in a spider web? I don't know. <laughs> No, I had actually the, a very similar issue. I was like really, un I mostly just wandered around until I found something interesting and then did stuff with that until I found another, like I was basically just looking for bonfires. That was my entire goal. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I found this. I must be going a right way, right? Exactly. And there's some degree to which I like that because you can just go into the skeleton graveyard at the start and that's not where you're supposed to go, but you can do it. And I appreciate that. But I really, especially after spending four hours grinding on skeletons trying to get good at this game, I often had the feeling of like, why am I doing this? One of the things that I really liked about that kind of a thing is uh, the game does let you go anywhere you want yes. to. And anywhere you can see, <laughs> you can go eventually. Yeah, I really appreciate that. There's a lot of Metroidvania-ness to it. It's not really a Metroidvania, but the way the world ends up connecting feels very, is satisfying in very similar ways. It's just that you don't get any navigational powers that let you get to other places. Although it often gives you similar feelings. The number of times I would like find a key and go back through a door and be like, oh, this is that door I couldn't get through eight hours ago was frequent and always very satisfying. And they always made the world click in a way that early on, I had a really hard time navigating. Like I said, did not even see the stairs to the aqueduct to go to where skeletons weren't. Just saw where skeletons were and went to skeletons. But as the game went on, I trusted the level design more and more because of the ways things interconnected. And at the end of the day, the world really is like a spoken branch system that's very easy to understand. What is the center of it? Like Firelink is... Shrine. Okay. That's it's right. kind of Undead Berg. I kind of like that kind of that whole area ends up being the center, but interesting did you activate the elevator in the church that goes down to firelink shrine yeah, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time feeling like i was lost in this game but i i don't know that that was really the fault of the level design the, my problem is mostly that a lot of it looks very similar and like you move pretty slowly all things considered which is i think a boon to making the combat feel impactful but makes navigation kind of tedious out of curiosity, we talked about you need to get back to your death spot if you die. Did you ever fail to find your death spot? 
ever fail to find it? Yeah. No, I knew always knew exactly yeah. where it was. And I think that's where when I realized that is when I stopped feeling lost because I often had very similar feelings of which way do I go? Have I been here before? But once I realized I can always find my body, even if I'm really not sure I'll be able to find my body. Okay, that's fair. Maybe loss is not the right word. I was never really sure where I was supposed to be going, and there are a fair number of branching paths. Yeah, and that's I, what, that was my experience. So I never really knew where I was supposed to be going, but I always knew where I was in relation to where I started. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about with motivation issues, about like, yes, I can go anywhere, but why should I? There's probably something that will try to kill me there. That's a good point, because not knowing where you're supposed to be going is always a problem whenever you have a game that's open. Like, how do I progress the story? Well, you gotta find it. You can't give me a hint? Eventually, there'll be a hot spider lady, and you'll kill her, and her sister will think you are her, and she'll tell you where the bell is. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. By hot spider lady, I do mean she has magma powers. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Oh, she's like that one boss from uh, Devil May Cry. Yes, very similar. Okay, awesome. There is the fun boon of running into a random NPC while you're wandering around, so there's that. Yeah, some of the NPC interactions are quite fun. One of them will eventually kill the girl under the Firelink Shrine, and then the fire will go out, unless you kill him earlier. It's actually the guy in the bell tower. I don't know if you rescued him or not. Yep, I did. Were you not supposed to? Oh, he will get out on his own if you don't, and then okay. he'll just be grumpy at you. Gotcha. But eventually, when you kill the fire spider, he, she, he will kill the girl, unless you kill him first. Which I did just kind of randomly, because I saw him sitting down out of the corner of my eye and just thrust at him. <laughs> and he drops this awesome ring that gives you like 20% extra health and endurance. It just breaks if you ever unequip it. Weird. Okay, so it's a random cursed ring, kind of. The it, curse is that you'll be very sad if you lose it. Yeah, the, the <laughs> ring, it's the, the curse is on the ring, as opposed to a curse bestowed upon you by wearing the ring. Yes. Zach wanted to talk about the jumping, which is very awkward. The one bit of defense I can give the jumping is it's never required unless you want a secret sequence break or get this one cool katana. I mean, I did have a couple of times where I was trying to sprint through something and accidentally jumped. Oh, uh, I never had that experience. I use it on purpose it was, to get around enemies sometimes. But yeah, it, I've, I've only had it happen a couple of times, but it, it did happen. It's definitely awkward. It, sh- it'll feel like, it does feel like it should probably just be a button. But the fact that it's not de-emphasizes it, which I think is deliberate, because I feel like a lot of people would just get stuck trying to jump places thinking that's how they're supposed to play the game if the jump was straightforward and easy. That is entirely fair, and it can be used to to do things like sequence break, like you said. Like, the one ring I found was at the end of this hallway, and I was able to jump from a a, uh, bridge down to the ledge that it was in, grabbed it, and then one of those black knights came charging down the the hallway at me because I didn't realize that he was on the other side of this hallway. Fortunately, I knew where I was, but he chased me all the way back to my bonfire and killed me after I rested. I really like fighting. I was terrified of those guys early on, and as I played more of the game, I just really enjoyed fighting them. Yeah, they're good. They're like some of the more interesting enemies. Is there anything else we want to say? Weirdly, I feel like we haven't talked about this game very long, but it's been another about half an hour. That is fair. I mean, Um, I would definitely recommend it, although personally, I think I would recommend Dark Souls 3 over this one. I was actually going to touch on bosses really quick because I feel like I only fought four bosses. Three? Three bosses. I feel like my strategy for all of them is basically the same, which is kite, 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 dodge, roll, stab, stab. Welcome to Dark Souls. Yeah, fair. Um, But I feel like the regular ass enemy designs are a little bit like cause me to engage them a little bit differently, especially in group encounters. Yeah, and like I said, I had a weird experience where those Belgar Goyles beat my ass for 10 hours of my life, and then every other boss 
kneeled under my boot and begged me to stop hitting it in the side <laughs> of the spear. Except for the one that I was hitting with the katana. It was a wolf, so it couldn't beg. That is, well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> the treat is lack of pain. Uh. <laughs> Drop your big sword. Drop it. <laughs> I really enjoyed this game. I don't know that I'm going to go back to it because I ended at a point where I was kind of frustrated and I wanted to play more Final Fantasy and Old World and that made losing in it more frustrating. But... I have every confidence I could beat this game. Like, I don't feel like it's a badge of honor. I agree. I feel like I could beat this game. I feel like I understand what's going on. I'm not sure if I care enough to go beat it at this point. Like, I would prefer to just play a different Dark Souls at this point. Having, yeah. Like I said, I if I were to want to play a Dark Souls, I'd probably boot up Dark Souls 3 again. Or like we we're talking about, I think, off mics, like I've wanted to play Sekiro for a while, and that sounds pretty rad to me, and it's a very similar concept. <sighs> Not really. No? It's pretty different. Is it? Uh-huh. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Uh, so speaking of Sekiro, we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, <laughs> listing all the games we've played from best to worst. Sekiro's not on it. <laughs> I was about to say that. At the bottom is City Connection for the NES. That's not a game that you talk with your friends about on the playground to swap secrets about where to get the morph ball. <laughs> In the middle, we have Blades of Steel. Usually Wait, I do the middle last. I was, was going to say, you didn't say the top. Top uh, is Chrono Trigger. That's it, a good video game. It has multiple different endings, which is a, actually a thing you could swap secrets about. Yeah. Dark Souls definitely goes high. I'm trying to think of a game that seems like a good spot to compare it to. I guess Mega Man X is one of the few games that I feel like has been as satisfying to play to me. Huh. That's an interesting comparison. Yeah, um, I don't think we have a good one, is why I yeah. brought it up. No, that's fair. Having played a lot of Mega Man X recently, I think I had more fun with it, but I honestly think I prefer Dark Souls as I think a game. Dark Souls is better. Dark Souls is deeper. I don't know that I think it's better, but I'm on the bubble and both of you seem convinced. I think that's accurate. I mean, I'm definitely not a Mega Man guy, so there's that. Yeah, so I'm looking for games that I think are, like, gameplay and kind of revolutionary. So how do we think it compares to Doom? Because I definitely enjoyed it way more than Doom, but I'm the guy who liked Doom the least. I uh, love Doom. Yeah, I'm trying to decide because I like Doom a lot. This game is maybe more satisfying to play than Doom. Like, I never, like, fighting in Dark Souls feels like solving a puzzle, even if I've done it a couple times. It's just like I know the solution to the puzzle, right? So then I just speedrun the puzzle. Doom, I just shoot a bunch of stuff to sweet metal music, which, to be fair, very fun. Um, very satisfying, too, when you get them all down at the same time. Yeah. I don't know, like, they, they scratch very different itches for me, despite having very similar aesthetics. Um, Doom is a game I don't have to think about. Dark Souls, I generally do. Yeah, so I think I'm going to lean towards Dark Souls. I love Doom, but I think I have to agree. So, I think the next thing to compare it to is Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is where things get very hard for me, because my gut says Symphony of the Night, but my critical brain goes, why? Uh, yeah, no, and like I actually don't like Symphony of the Night very much. Like I like it fairly well. Let me, let me re preface that. I like Symphony of the Night fairly well. I don't think I actually like it as much as I thought I liked it when we were ranking it, so... I don't like Symphony of the Night. I'd put Dark Souls above it. Uh, like, one of my biggest problems with uh, Castlevania, or with Symphony of the Night, is that, uh, like, the level design is, like, eternally baffling to me. Um, and I don't really understand how things are connected in a way that I think you described Dark Souls did feel connected to you, so... I don't know. 
Give me a second. Do you have Do you have an opinion like on this? My my gut says Symphony of the Night is better, but then my critical brain goes, "Okay, Jeremy, why?" And I go, mm, "I do like the art style more. I think they're both very deliberate art styles that are very well envisioned, but I prefer Symphony of the Nights. Uh, I think Symphony of the Night is better tutorialized. I think it's also more fun to navigate simply because you move faster compared but, to your environment. And it is actually a Metroidvania, and you actually get those moments of, ah, now I have this cool vampire mist power, I can get through that gate. Whereas in Dark Souls, has similar feelings, but it never has those aha moments. It just has, oh, this is where that was. But it's always it's always a literal key. It's not a funny-shaped key. It's not, oh, I want to get that go there later when I can get up there. It's, oh, I have a key now. It's weird because, like, the number of verbs you have in Dark Souls never increases. Yeah. Castlevania Symphony of the Night has more systems, and many of them are fun to engage with, but none of them are as good as Dark Souls' core systems. So, like, that's where the weirdness is for me. And I think maybe I lean to Dark Souls because of that. Combat in Dark Souls is definitely way better. Yeah. Combat in Dark Souls is what I wish Symphony of the Night's combat was. Conversely, though, I wish Dark Souls had better bosses or bosses that were more like Symphony of the Night's. Symphony of the Night has more traditional bosses where you have to adapt to the boss. Whereas, like we said, in Dark Souls, you're like, oh, God, that thing's big. Let me slowly walk away. Slowly walk away. Okay, now I can stab, stab. Slowly walk away. Slowly (laughs) walk away. Yeah, and like, weirdly, I think that Dark Souls bosses are one of the points where it's weakest, but... I think I agree to make it unanimous that I I think Dark Souls is the better designed game overall. I'm not even sure I would put my vote to Dark Souls. I'm very 50-50 on it. That's fair. It sounds like there's a slight lean towards Dark Souls, so we'll go with Dark Souls. I think so. So is it better or worse than Halo? I will defend to the grave. I I think we overrated Halo a little bit. I will defend to the grave the enemy design in Halo. I think it's extremely well done. I will agree with you on that. Uh, That was the one point I really thought Halo had in its favor. But I think the arc, the enemy design in Dark Souls is also very good. And well, yeah, a lot of the enemies that you generally spend a lot of time fighting are just generic dude with spear or hacks or whatever. I'm not talking about the arc design. I'm talking about the way they attack you and the way you have to adapt to them. But on the other hand, the enemies in Halo build on each other in a different way, right? Grunts behave differently than jackals. So an gr- encounter with grunts and jackals is different than an encounter with just grunts or just jackals in a way that... I don't know that a snake with a giant sword and a skeleton with a giant sword are <laughs> that different from two giant skeletons with swords or two giant snakes with swords. Yeah, say so fun- fundamentally what I do in Dark Souls is I just kite a single enemy out and like whichever one I think is the easiest to kill in a group is the one I kite out first and then kill it and then move on, right? I, I definitely prefer the level design to Dark Souls, but I'm always going to prefer a game with an interconnected world to a game with set levels, which is what Halo has. I think I like the level design in Halo because I actually really like like having someone spend time on a specific level. Granted, the library still sucks, but like a silent cartographer, that's a level I still freaking remember. Yeah. Whereas in Dark Souls, it's not gonna stick because it's just one big world. Granted, I can go check something else if I'm having trouble. But at the same time, like having a set set of challenges and be like, okay, this is what this level is. That's super satisfying to clear. I would argue Dark Souls has that, but it doesn't have clearing it. Those enemies are going to be back next time you go there. Yeah, and you're going to still have to wade through them. I actually weirdly agree with Zach on this one. Um, in terms, I like the individual set piece levels of Halo more than I think I like any of the individual areas in Dark Souls that I got to. To be fair, I did not experience a ton of the game. I think all things said and done, I am leaning towards Dark Souls still. 
I think I might be leaning towards Halo in part because, like, Dark Souls' story is basically impenetrable. And while Halo's story isn't, like, incredibly, like, powerful or anything like that, it's not bad. Every encounter in Halo is fun to engage with. I do enjoy having to switch up and figure out new solutions to different problems because, like, I didn't, if I didn't pick up the rocket launcher, I need to figure out how to clear this tank and stuff like that. Whereas Dark Souls, it feels like going into every problem in Dark Souls, I have, it's like, I I have the same set of tools I had before. Which is weird because Dark Souls says, hey, at the, there's a giant toolbox. You can only pick one. But I feel like that's very <laughs> similar with Halo, right? Because it only lets you have two weapons. Mm-hmm. But um, you can change them more frequently, I think, than you do in Dark Souls. I, I really you don't like... Might be, you might need to change them because you're out of ammo. I actually feel really awkward deciding this, to be honest. Because um, <laughs> I feel like I way prefer Dark Souls as a game, and yet everything in my gut is saying, but it goes below Halo. And I'm trying to figure out, usually when my gut says something, it's because it has noticed something I haven't. And I'm trying for the life of me. Oh, it's multiplayer. That's what I haven't noticed. The multiplayer <laughs> in Halo is way better than the multiplayer in oh, Dark Souls. Oh, yeah, I totally, I don't know why. that. It's probably because I haven't played Halo multiplayer in such a long time. But having the ability to play a co-op or versus, like... Which Dark Souls also has. Yes, but the thing is, in <laughs> Halo, you go in, you opt into it necessarily. Whereas the one experience I had with con- with that kind of thing was uh, granted in three, um, and people came into my game when I had absolutely no desire to engage with it. I'd argue you also opt in in Dark Souls though, because you can all it only can occur if you take on your humanity. And one of the things I really really like about Dark Souls, one of the reasons I think people say it's hard, is that it's incredibly risk reward based. By taking humanity, you get the huge reward of the extra HP, but you are accepting the risk that a player can come ruin your day. However, I think that multiplayer is the reason that Halo is better. Even though I think as a single player game, I prefer Dark Souls in every way. I'm not sure I even prefer it in every way. Well, I yeah, no, I think you made certain. it clear. I th- that's my opinion. Yeah, no, that's fair. Halo does do set pieces pretty well, though. It does. So Dark Souls goes at number four, below Halo and above Castlevania. Yeah, not bad. Good, pretty no. good showing. <laughs> not I mean, bad at all. I started it at number 10. Fair. Um, on- honestly, I think that was warranted, but... I, I was just trying to... Like, honestly, I was looking, I was like, what's a game that has as satisfying gameplay as this? And Mega Man X, it's not the only one now. I think Star Fox 64, and I think that has equally satisfying gameplay. But boy, do I not want to make that comparison. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, also, it's like a very clear winner for me. So so. Interesting. I don't think so for me, but it's because Star Fox 64 is too simple at the end of the day. Oh, and that's exactly why I think Dark Souls is the clear Oh, oh I thought you meant Star Fox. No, I, I meant there winner, which is like a wild opinion. No, no, I meant there oh. is a very clear Oh, and winner. Gradius is right below that. That would have been a good one, but Zach didn't play Gradius. That's so, so there are a couple on here, but there aren't a lot that rank high because the gameplay is just so good. Uh, and so Mega Man X was the one that made sense to me. What are we playing next week, Zach? And by next week, I mean one day. I don't know. <laughs> a month from now? That's Eventually. Now? Uh, we'll get to it probably uh so next time around we're actually going to play a game i don't really much like but i feel it's important to talk about so we're going to go ahead and play final fantasy 10 it's interesting that you think that's important to talk about because that game is incredibly important to me in my personal growth philosophy and beliefs uh much like gundam seed is but i don't think it's that important to video games as an art form or entertainment it was the first final fantasy i ever played same with me so that is probably part of the reason. Not the first one I ever beat. I've still only ever beaten 
one fi- mainline Final Fantasy game. And that game has 10 in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you never finished Final Fantasy VII Remake, did you? Nope. I still have it at my house. I'm actually pretty close to the end, too. So next time on Last Time. Ha 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 ha!